Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, John Lash, who's Group Vice President of Product Strategy at E2Open. And today we're going to talk about going beyond the hype, successful AI and supply chain management. So when it comes to artificial intelligence, uh, you know, many companies are still in the learning stage. I mean, they're trying to understand the technology landscape and, you know, what's possible. And it's a little bit challenging at the moment because, you know, this whole area is evolving, you know, so fast. And, you know, at the moment, all the buzz and hype is around generative AI. And that's due in large part due to the public introduction of chat GPT back in November, 2022. So, you know, just about a year ago. Um, so, so that's been, uh, you know, a lot of the focus, you know, this past year, but certainly, you know, the, the whole area of AI is much broader than that. So why is AI getting, you know, you know, so much attention today? What benefits does it promise? What defines a good AI strategy? And what are some of the lessons learned to date to successfully uh, deploy AI in your supply chain operations? Well, those are some of the key questions we're going to tackle in today's episode. And it's great to have John on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So John, welcome to the program. Great. Well, thanks so much, Adrian. And it's a delight to always uh, participate and, and uh, uh, have a conversation with you. So I'm really glad to be here. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said in my introductory remarks, I mean, uh, you know, AI, you know, I think from start to, to finish this year has been, you know, in the spotlight. Um, and, you know, here we are in, in right before Thanksgiving. And, and just this week, as we were commenting before we got on, we got live, you know, everything going on with open AI is, is, is just yet another chapter in this whole thing that, that that's happening, you know, in the world of artificial intelligence. Um, maybe as a way to get started, I mean, obviously in your role there, you know, at, at E2Open, you know, very involved on the technology side of things. And then also, you know, talking with, with clients and, and, you know, their questions, their, how they're using AI or, or may not be using AI yet. Um, you know, I mean, what's your take on, on AI and, and generative, you know, AI? I mean, why the hype? What benefits does this technology promise? Yeah, well, uh, you know, certainly, as you were mentioning, there is so much excitement just in the last week around uh, Gen AI and and uh, what's going on with ChatGPT and OpenAI, and uh, it's it's totally on everyone's mind. So it's a, a great topic for us to be discussing right now. Um, but no surprise, across the board, there's a lot of interest in AI. And you know, for context, you know, it, I've been working with. Uh, in, in AI and supply chain for almost 15 years now, starting with uh, demand sensing. And, you know, these days as part of my, part of my role is defining E2Open's AI strategy. And, and this gives me an opportunity to go and discuss our perspective and our vision with our clients and also get their take on AI and, and, you know, what it might mean for their business. And, you know, I'm finding from conversations that, well, come, of course, companies are at different stages of their AI journey. Some are just getting started. Some are, are kind of well along and, but kind of like, regardless of where they are, one thing for sure is that everyone shares this common belief that, that AI has got enormous potential and could be transformative. But just maybe not in the way that most people think, given all the hype around Gen AI. And, you know, the way you set up that question originally, it's it's just 
there is so much hype and and you know indeed uh, you know a year ago almost to the day right when when it was uh, ChatGPT was 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 launched and it took the world by storm and uh, but it's important to notice or, or to recognize that AI has been used for decades and is now inter interwoven into the fabric of many systems that rely on, that we rely on day to day and it's just kind of like running quietly back in 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 the background. And what made ChatGPT stand out so much was it was conversational in nature. So you could directly engage with it. Whereas a lot of the other AI, it's like I said, it's in the background. It's uh, got a very public model, right? With easy downloads. It broke, I think it broke all of the download records. Um, so set set the, uh, the new bar there. And it's directly helpful for a lot of activities that we do in day-to-day -day life. Like whenever we're writing something, you know, thinking of writing code to marketing copy to, you know, kids in college, they're all using it to write their college papers, right? And uh, and even you know some people are doing love letters, so it's like the whole the whole the whole gambit. It's something that people can engage with and use, and it's kind of blurred the lines in a way that no AI had done before, even though AI has been around for decades. And um, with that said, and all of that as context, I think it's important to remember the Gen AI is not artificial general intelligence, right? So no AI is 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 AGI. You know, that's I think the superhuman Terminator style AGI, which, you know, that is still the domain of science fiction. Um, one one more kind of like uh, uh, general AI observation is that while the conversational allure of Gen AI has basically captured everyone's imagination, the biggest benefit comes from something that's, that's actually hidden below the surface. And this is by unlocking masses of unstructured data for use by traditional AI. And you know, the analogy that I like to use is, I think of Gen AI like an iceberg, and there's the part above the surface that's the conversational side, right? And all every software vendor, including us, we're all going and 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 we're going to be introducing uh, more conversational interfaces, right? You look at a lot of the press releases; it's they're talking about revolutionizing and changing everything. A lot of that is focused in on this conversational interface, and you know you can think of this like an iceberg. Roughly ten percent of the value is there. The hidden 90% is below the surface, and that's where the biggest uh, potential lies, and it's to unlock the masses of unstructured data to go and feed traditional AI. And I guess the corollary of that is that you need a good foundation of traditional AI to extract the full value and benefit that comes from Gen AI, right? And those companies that have this good foundation are going to have a leg up. Yeah, no, a lot, a lot of great points there. And I, I think you, a few things you said there kind of struck me. One is, you know, the fact that, you know, some people, particularly if their first exposure to AI is Gen AI, they think that, you know, AI is relatively new. But it's, you know, to your point, it, this has been decades. You know, AI has been used for decades in, in different, you know, flavors of it. And, you know, recently, and I, I wrote about this recently on Talking Logistics, you know, I, I was at a conference and I was asked the question about, well, you know, with all the hype around AI, is AI in danger of becoming like blockchain, you know, where there was so much hype around blockchain and it was going to revolutionize the world and cure cancer and cure climate change and everything else. And there's a lot of same things being said about, 
you know, AI right now, are we going to find ourselves two, three years from now saying, well, look at all that, all that, all those promises that were made about AI and none of them have come to fruition, um, you know, similar to, you know, blockchain, you know, a lot of oversized promises, but, you know, except for a few select use cases and things like that really hasn't, uh, you know, gained the traction that a lot of people, uh, you know, were, were hoping or expecting. Um, but, but I think the big key difference is exactly what you said is that, you know, this is not new. And in fact, we've been using AI for decades, whether we knew it or not. Um, and Gen AI is something that just made it more visible to a wider, uh, you know, a swath of, uh, of people. Um, you know, the other, the other thing you, you, you talked about was, and maybe this will lead me to my next question. I mean, you, you talked a little bit about traditional AI and, you know, Gen AI. I mean, well, what's, and I like the, the iceberg, you know, analogy. I mean, what, what is that? What is that different? What do you mean by traditional AI? I mean, what are some examples? I mean, how does it differ from Gen Gen AI? Yeah, and and you know that's a, a perfect segue there. And you know, with all the hype around ChatGPT, right? People like you might just think all you need is Gen AI. It's just all come out in the in the last year, but it's been around for decades, just like you said. And there are there are four classes of AI. There's supervised. There's unsupervised, there's reinforcement. These three collectively uh, are, are termed traditional AI, and then there's generative AI. Um, and unlike the flashy cousin of ChatGPT, traditional AI methods, you think of them as kind of like the quiet workhorses of the modern supply chain management. And they're just working on the background, just cranking away to go and create new value beyond what people can do. And so let me just give a quick overview of the, of the four different types. The first one is supervised learning. And that's really good at going and finding patterns across disparate uh, data sets, right? So these systems, they're, they're, they use training to recognize what good looks like. And then they learn over time to accurately predict outcomes. And supervised learning is the most popular of all the techniques that, that, that are deployed. Um, then there's unsupervised learning, which goes and discovers hidden clusters, right? Many of these clusters, which, you know, some which might be obvious, like you could say, find all these uh, images that look like cats, right? That one is pretty obvious to people, but there are other ones that aren't obvious to us because we come with different biases, but, the, but machines can go and figure that out and learn and cluster these things very effective. And it does this without any training or guidance. The third one is reinforcement learning. And this one goes and explores different options on its own through trial and error. And it learns which actions create the best outcomes. And there's an action and reward system for that. And this is actually how AI went and beat humans in Go because it could go and trial all of these, every different uh, possible combination. And so it's kind of like it's been there before and it knows the best outcome. So when it gets in that situation, it knows what to do better than a human could do. Um, and then the last one, of course, generative AI, right, which uses large language models to go and interpret masses of unstructured data. And then really importantly here, generate new content with similar characteristics, right? And this often is featuring this, this kind of like human chat-like interaction that, that went and made ChatGPT famous. And, you know, it's important to note, right, so there are four of them. And it's not that one is better than the other. They're all important. They just, they just do different things. 
you know, one finds patterns, one goes in clusters, one goes and tries experimenting things, one uses large language models. There's just different approach, different tools. So it's almost like, you know, in, in your, your workshop, you know, you got a hammer, you got a screwdriver, you got a wrench, you maybe have a riveter. There, there are four different tools. They all do different things. And if you're if if you've got a problem that involves a nail, the hammer's the right choice. If there's a if the problem that involves a screw, the screwdriver is the right choice. So you want all of these and to use the right tool for the right job. Um, and then there's one other thing just to mention is sometimes AI isn't the best tool for the job, right? So there's operations research. So think heuristics and optimization, deterministic and stochastic, right? And then of course, automation. So they're all tools in your toolkit and you want to go and use them all. Yeah, and that last point's a great one too, because I mean, sometimes, um, you know, uh, it's very easy to fall into that trap where you try to, again, you talked about different tools and, uh, you know, AI may be applicable for many different situations, but it may not be the right tool <laughs> for certain certain situations. And some of these, uh, you know, more traditional tools, like you said, optimization and so forth, you know, might be, uh, uh, you know, still valid and, and still important, you know, moving forward a, a, as well. Um, so, so let's talk about, you know, what defines a good AI strategy, you know, moving forward. So obviously it sounds like, you know, having th this toolbox, and, and variety of tools at your disposal and be incorporating them as, as needed and as appropriate is, is one aspect of this. Um, you know, what else, what else defines a good AI strategy? Yeah. So like you said, you definitely want to start with all four tools, right? So you have, you have those in your, your toolkit, but there are four prerequisites for a successful strategy. It doesn't matter, you know, what vendors or what technology or what whatever you're using. The first one is data, right? Because uh, AI needs data and lots of it. And not just any kind of data, but data that's related to the business decision at hand, right? So that's really important to get the right data to feed the right decision. Of course, there's privacy and security, right? You can't have IP leakage. Uh, hallucinations are not allowed when you're in, when you're doing, uh, you know, business uh, supply chain type applications. Um, you know, remember there's a high profile incident with Samsung where IP was inadvertently put out into the public domain. And then that led to Samsung banning the use of, of, of ChatGPT. So it's really important to have your privacy and security. That's kind of like a, a, a you know, a, a just everyone needs to have that um, AI transparency because it doesn't matter how good your AI is if you don't trust the results, right? And when your CFO comes to ask, you know, why that forecast was high or low for a period, you need to be able to answer it and answer it quickly, right? And so, without trust, people go, what do they do? They override the AI and they revert back to the old ways of doing things. And when that happens, you fail to realize the value in your technology investment. So really important to have AI transparency. And then the, the fourth is closed loop orchestration. So that, you know, you might say, well, what's that one all about? Well, once you make a decision, because this is all about making decisions, how can you put those decisions in action? And this is especially important as you shift to decision automation, um, where the number and, and the frequency of the decisions, right, the pace are all happening very quickly. And so you need to go and put these things into actions. Um, so privacy and transparency, 
those are kind of like table stakes for all the vendors, right? And and everyone has to provide that. So let's take a like a double click on the data side and the closed loop side because they really go and separate the kind of, of offerings that people have and, and the usability. And you know, the first one again, data is it's it's the currency of of, of AI. And your AI is meaningless if you don't have the right data to make informed decisions. And if you're in the business of making, moving and selling goods, right? The most valuable data, where does it come from? Well, it's from your supply chain and not just your own internal operations, but the extended supply chain throughout all of your, your uh, ecosystem partners. And without that kind of data, you don't have the right inputs for your AI to make good decisions. And you're kind of running blind. And you know that's an area where we believe having a supply chain business network, it helps lower the barrier to get that data from all your partners to fuel your, your AI. And then the second one is, is um, you know, thinking about uh, the, the closed loop because decisions without a way to act, well, they're just wishful thinking. Right. And so it's really important to have this closed loop orchestration to put these decisions into action, especially as you're going outside with uh, external ecosystem partners. And this is another area where we believe having a, a network is important because it not only helps you get the data to make those, you know, to power the AI and to make those decisions, but then once you've done it, to go put those decisions into action so that you're actually realizing value here. Um, and then just kind of like one last thing, when, when it comes to, to Gen AI, remember the hidden part of the iceberg, right? That ability to unlock unstructured data to go and feed traditional AI and drive better decisions. And, you know, I was talking with, uh, with, with analysts just recently to try and get a sense of how much data is unstructured versus structured. And they were saying that roughly 90% of all data is unstructured. So it's just sitting there not being very helpful. And if you can unlock that and use it to power your applications to make better decisions, that's really interesting. And we believe the companies that can successfully unlock this data will outperform those that can't. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think the, the uh, you know, those points you just talked about, I think are all critically important. And I agree, you know, when it comes to the, the data side of things and then being able to convert those decisions and decision recommendations into, into actions, you know, are, are, you know, are critical to ultimately, you know, derive value from, you know, from this technology. And as, as you know, I've been a, a big proponent of supply chain operating networks and network-based, uh, you know, uh, you know, platforms, because I really view that, uh, you know, for a variety of difference, but I, th I think particularly here and what we're talking about today is again, another um, uh, uh, benefit, you know, by, by having multiple trading partners all sharing data and communicating data on a, on a single platform. I think that expedites, you know, the ability to, to um, bring together all the relevant data that's needed to you know, analyze a problem or make a business decision, um, you know, to again unlock the value of, of AI. So I want to explore a little bit about the you know better decision making because you know we've we've done some research with our Indago supply chain research community, which are supply you know uh, supply chain logistics professionals from manufacturing, retail, and and distribution companies. And you know, number one thing that they're looking to do moving forward, you know, to position themselves for success is to become more data driven organizations. So I think that, uh, and I think that's not surprising. And I think this obviously plays a, a role here. I'm, I mean, how does AI ultimately enable that? Yeah. And, and you know, I think what we're leading there is, is there's a really important distinction that 
AI is not about the tech per se, right? It's about making better decisions. And, you know, there was a recent Gartner study where they're saying the number one, number one uh, it, technology or reason for technology investment, it's better decision-making. So this is an area that people are investing in. AI is right into the center of this. And, but it's not the technology itself, right? Because that is a commodity these days. It's about how you apply the AI. And, and I, I really think of this about applied AI is, is, is the key. And as an analogy, um, like I'm an engineer, so I like to think about science and, and engineering. And, you know, once you have proven the science that you recognize that is, then extracting value from that is an engineering problem. And that's where we are right now. The, the technology for AI, the science of AI, it's all there. And it's now it's shifted into an engineering problem. And for supply chain, when you're applying AI, this really shifts into, uh, or you got to think of this as an embedded versus an overlay strategy. And I say embedded because it's really important to embed that in the tools that are used to make your day-to-day -day decisions. Otherwise, it's kind of like an, 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 an afterthought, right? And, you know, don't get me wrong, the AI overlays can be useful to sit over data lakes and find correlations. Like, let's say you can find um, that you get a 1% increase in reactor yield with warmer weather conditions. You know, that's good to know. It's useful information. It can help you with supply as, as you're, you're looking and, and, and trying to, to, to manage what's going to be available. But correlation is no substitute for intelligence. And, you know, that's a, a thing that also people, I think, confuse a little bit with, with uh, Gen AI is that it gives the appearance of the ability to reason, but it doesn't understand, right? It really goes and lacks, especially when you're talking about in the supply chain side, it lacks the supply chain intelligence to make these complex trade-off decisions, which is why it's really important to embed AI you know, for into the supply chain management apps that you use to make your day-to-day -day decisions. Um, and as we mentioned earlier, sometimes AI is not the best tool, right? So, um, you know, and you're better off with operations research. And, and a good example of that is we were, we were chatting is, is kind of like optimizing inventory or determining the best product mix if you have constrained supply. You know, that's where you use optimizations and optimization and heuristics because those are really better suited to the task. So, you know, I guess it kind of circles back to what we were talking before is that use the right tool for the job and make sure that it's embedded in the day-to-day -day tools to run your business. If you just try and slap an overlay on top of it, you'll get some benefits, but it won't be the core business benefit, like the core drivers for your business. And that's what we want to go and enable with AI. Yeah, no, great, great point. And I think, you know, um, you know, I think one of the concerns a lot of people have, uh, and this is true with AI, it's true with you know warehouse robots, any kind of automation, is that you know humans are going to get, uh, you know, uh, you know, are going to lose job, you know, people are going to lose jobs, humans are going to get taken out of the equation, and I think what what's proven to date is that if you use it effectively, it's really meant to um, uh, not really replace, but really to augment and help people do their jobs more effectively and more efficiently and help them focus on the areas that are, are more value add for a person to focus on versus, you know, doing mundane tasks that might, you know, might be better suited for RPA, you know, a robotic process automation process or something like that. 
Um, because there are things, you know, to your point, I mean, if you've been in the transportation industry or global trade management industry, uh, a professional for 20 years, 25 years, I mean, there are things you know through just your experience, your knowledge, the interacting with counterparts at suppliers, at customers, everything else. Not everything that a human knows through experience can really, at least at this point, not that I'm aware of, can be infused into an AI engine, right? So it's good with the data. It's good to you know find these hidden you know connections and you know do this clustering and everything else. But ultimately, um, you know, you need to weave that in. With just with the experience and the knowledge that the human you know brings to the table as part of then driving you know ultimately deciding what really is the best decision you know moving forward and, I, and I've seen this throughout you know not only with this technology but you know with just business analytics you know business intelligence analytics in the past you know sometimes the data says this but um, sometimes part of being a leader is to say you know even though the data says this the right decision is this other direction because the data doesn't capture everything. And whether it's because of a business relationship or because you're thinking more strategically versus tactically, you know, sometimes um, you're gonna go against what the technology, you know, uh, recommends just because you've got other knowledge, other other objectives that just are not captured in the uh, in, in the system. Um, so I think that, I think that's a great point, uh, you know, there. Um, so, John, I mean, we could probably, you know, talk for hours and hours and hours, you <laughs> yes. know, on, on this topic. So many different threads of, of conversation that are possible. But maybe as a way to wrap up, I mean, what lessons learned or advice would you give to supply chain professionals who are looking to separate the hype, you know, from reality and, and successfully deploy AI in their operations? Yeah, well, I think the first one is is to think of why you're doing this. And, and there's, there's an enormous potential of AI in supply chain. And we believe an effective AI strategy is a prerequisite for autonomous supply chain management. And, and that's where we feel the market's headed. Not everyone's ready for it right now, but, but that's where we're going. And our vision is that 90% of supply chain management will be done autonomously by the end of the decade. And it's a, like I said, it's a big vision, but it's achievable. And AI plays an essential role in making this happen because there's just way too much information to be go parsing through and decisions to make and, and things to happen. So this is really, really key to, to go and do this. And, you know, as part of the, the takeaways, right, is remember that an effective strategy requires all four of the AI types, right? So supervised, unsupervised, reinforced gen AI. And use, so use the right tool for, for, for the job and don't let the allure of conversational generative AI lull you into a one size fits all approach. It takes all four of them. One, you know, one size fits all, that, that's, that's just, it's not, it's not a good recipe. Uh, and remember, the true potential of generative AI really comes from unlocking the masses of unstructured data for traditional AI and to feed and power that. And, you know, it's so so look beyond the obvious there. And without a strong foundation of traditional AI, most of the, the value of Gen AI remains hidden. So there's there's a, a tremendous opportunity there. And if there's there's, you know, I'm going to do two takeaways, right? One takeaway, it's the data. It's all about the data because um, AI needs data. And then, and then, of course, as we were talking before, a way to go and act on decisions once you've, you've made that. And the second takeaway is the importance of real world experience. And, you know, this is where within applied AI is where you win or lose the race. Um, you know, as we talked about, 
the AI technology has become a commodity. It's the business application that unlocks the value. And it's about the exception management and, and all those corner cases of AI that, that um, is really important. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard about the high profile case with one of the the you know big three car companies in the news a few weeks ago, where they're no longer able to run autonomous vehicle tests in in California because of an incident, and that incident was, was very unfortunate. There was a pedestrian that was struck by a hit and run, and then run over by the autonomous vehicle. And so, if that's not the definition of a corner case, like this, this is no one anticipated this, but it's these corner cases that are really important. It's really easy to get the first 90% right. It's the last 10% that makes an AI product, an applied AI product commercially viable or not. Um, and you only get this through years of experience in production. So I guess as the, the, the follow up on the, the second takeaway is, you know, ask whoever you're 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 speaking with about AI and that are that are excited and telling you about all the great things and how it's going to transform the world. Ask them about their experience. Ask for references. Understand the corner cases and the exception management because that is what's key in really taking this to the next level and trying to cut through that hype. Yeah, no, great, great advice there. Great, great thoughts. I mean, even though you know we started the conversation talking about how AI is not new, it's been around, you know, for decades, but at the same time, particularly as you're thinking about, you know, uh, enabling the autonomous, you know, supply chain and, and that vision, uh, in many ways, we're still at the, uh, at the very beginning uh, of all this. And uh, I think it'll be uh, some exciting, uh, you know, days and years ahead as we see, you know, this, this whole field continue to evolve and, and be applied. Uh, so John, again, thank you for making the time to, to share your, your insights and advice on this topic. Great. Well, thank you, Adrian. It's always a delight to go and uh, join you in a conversation. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the E2Open website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for John, uh, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.